Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so, allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. In the name of Jesus Christ, may in this place be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, stagnancy, all of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arkady into your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to guide it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May you be blessed and you may be seated. The book of Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful lusts, and be made new by the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new self created by God in true righteousness and holiness. And so the right to the power to put off our former way of life so that we can clothe our bodies into a new way of life. And as much as we already know to fulfill this decreeing commandment written in the book of Apostle Paul and presented to us in the series of sermons of Apostle Arkady, we need to put three destiny impacting, commanding, and fundamental acts into practice. And these are put off, be renewed, and put on. Fulfilling these three requirements will determine whether our salvation happens that is given to us in the format of a seed, which we need to obtain as a possession in the format of the fruit of righteousness. Relevant to this, we stop to study the allegory contained in the 18th Psalm of David, in which getting to know and confessing the power that is contained in the heart of David consisting of the eight names of God allowed David to, to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and gave God the legitimate grounds or basis to use the power contained in the capabilities of his names in battle against the enemies of David. And here is Psalm 18, 1 through 4. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. Let us together now proclaim these eight wonderful names of God. Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are my rock in whom I take refuge. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. And Lord, you are my stronghold. 
May the Lord hear these words and may He make us worthy of these confessions and may He confirm them within our heart and within our body. In a specific format, we already looked at our inherited lot and the qualities and promises contained in the strength of God Most High. The first name, Lord, you are my strength, has already been something we have studied. Therefore, this is a very important name. We, we need to not forget about it. And so I looked at this Psalm 18 and and so if you look uh, sometimes these uh, words depending on the Bible that you're reading uh, depending on the Bible that you're reading uh, will have a little bit of a different word but they are all interlinked and relevant to one another and so for example uh, strength and uh, the strength and the different variations and synonyms of the word strength could be a little bit different depending on the Bible and rock in this case also could be different synonyms of it depending on the Bible you're reading and so without the first name Lord you are my strength uh, the names rock fortress deliver uh, my shield horn of salvation they no longer uh, work and so you need to make all of these lift uh, listed names legitimate and at the foundation of it is the Lord who is our strength and this is when we allow the Lord to magnify his word above all his name within our essence and when the word of God is magnified upon a pedestal in the temple of our body as well as in our church then this allows the Lord to demonstrate his strength and then all of the following names have the legitimate uh, grounds upon which to function and so, Lord, you are my strength. It testifies of the fact that the Lord is strong. He is faithful in his word. And his word is faithful. And that not a single uh, word or, or anything will pass away or go away until all is fulfilled. Everything needs to absolutely be fulfilled and needs to take place. And it begins with the Lord being our strength. Now, let's study our lot that is contained in the name of God, strength, the strength of God Most High, that within its inner essence is inherent to the strength of our Heavenly Father and is beyond the comprehension of the typical human mind of a man. It's not possible with the abilities of the regular human mind to comprehend the name of God, Rock. The Holy Spirit does all of this. In scripture, the identification of the word rock in regard to the natural qualities of God Most High is illustrated with the following coloring tints. Rock is resistant, strong, healthy, wise, tested, rooted, well-established, immovable, continuous, non-diminishing, constant, fearless, non-penetrating, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Here are the natural characteristics of God, who is our rock, and You may say, well, I only have one of those elements healthy. But you may have it today, but not have it tomorrow. And so we need to have resistance. We need to be strong. We need to be healthy. We need to be wise, tested, rooted. 
fearless, all of these characteristics, they are interlinked. And if you don't have one, then the Lord as our rock won't be able to be present in us. You need to have all of them. If we have all of these characteristics, but maybe today we don't have health, the Lord doesn't look at what we see uh, physically. The Lord doesn't see what we see. He sees what his word is within the man, the code. That's He doesn't understand tears, and he won't cry when we're crying. He sees the tears. He sees the tears through the code. We need to understand that. Demons always also see everything through code. Uh, prayers. We can pray great prayers, but the Lord doesn't hear uh, and unless he understands the code or motive that you have. If you remember, the Pharisee was praying the great Psalm of David, but we heard or we understood according to scripture what he actually was intending when he was praying the psalm god saw something different and so if we don't have health but we have put the promise of health within our body the healing and resurrection in ourselves then god sees us healthy in jesus christ this is what is what are his natural characteristics and here is how the quality of the word of rock when it comes to the name of god most high identifies itself in scripture rock is stone cliff heaviness, weights, weight, and scales. Therefore, the power of the name of God, Rock, contains the ability of the Most High to judge or weigh upon the scale plates of His justice all that is created by Him to punish or reward each one according to their weight. Therefore, to possess the power of the Most High contained in the Rock of His name is to possess the authority and right to judge both yourself as well as those people who are under your responsibility to judge them within the parameters of the commandments and statutes of the Lord, or to weigh your words and your actions upon the scale plates of justice of the Most High, as well as the words and the actions of people who are under our responsibility, and to master and clothe yourself into the unearthly quality of a rock contained in the name of God Most High, which quenches our hunger and our thirst and brings us to power over our calling, it is necessary for us to study four classical questions. First question, what in essence is his name Rock? Second, what purpose in our prayers is the quality of his name Rock called to fulfill? What price do we need to pay to be clothed into the quality of his name Rock? And Fourth, by what results do we need to judge that we truly possess the virtue of his name, Rock? In a specific format, we already studied the first two questions and have been studying question three. And this is the price. What price do we need to pay? And we're reading this in a more elaborated form. What price do we need to pay to possess the right to clothe our spirit into the virtue of the Rock of the Lord? so that God can receive the legitimate grounds that He needs to keep us in His perfect peace. As it is written, you will keep Him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because He trusts in you. Isaiah 26.3 And we looked at specific uh, conditions and the prices of these conditions, and today we will be looking at the fifth, or continuing to study the fifth, and the fifth, condition, the price of the fifth condition is to integrate or implement the order of God into your calling or subjugate your calling to the order of God by the means of the judgment of his righteousness. Without the order of God within our essence or our church, we will not be able to perform the judgment of righteousness. 
And so what is a righteous supposed to, man supposed to have? He needs to have this element of a rock, or the essence of a rock, and without that we can't do this. Exodus 18, 21 through 23. Here the father-in-law of Moses, Jethro, gives uh, Moses advice because he sees Moses sitting day and night and he's judging the people the entire nation by himself he saw the situation and gave him advice with these words moreover you shall select from all the people able men such as fear God men of truth hating covetousness and place such over them to be rulers of thousands rulers of hundreds rulers of fifties and rulers of tens and let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every matter or small matter they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all this people will also go to their places in peace. Exodus 18, 21-23. Today we will continue to study not the commanding structure but the individual person who needs to rule over himself within the boundaries of the commandments and statutes of the Lord which identify the order uh, which uh, which uh, ha- which our church has or which within which our church functions we will study those virtues which are the price for the right to possess the quality of a rock in our spirit so that we can rule over ourselves in accordance to the demands that are implemented in script by God in Scripture. Let us look at the initial phrase. And so Jethro told Moses, Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them. We need to yield four characteristics from the given verse, characteristics that are spirit needs to have so that it can be clothed into the quality of a rock of the Most High, giving us the right to the power to govern over ourselves as well as those people whom we carry responsibility for before God. Here are the four characteristics. This is God's order that need, that we need to have and we can't be without these four characteristics. And those people that serve within the church, uh, those the priests, the Levites, all of them need to have these any, every Christian, uh, this sermon is not focused upon the, uh, the pretty much the order or the structure of, of, of the le- leadership structure within the church, but rather every individual person, which each person needs to have these characteristics. To be an able person, to have the fear of the Lord, to be a person of truth or a fair person, and to hate covetousness. We need to know that to rule over rule or to govern is not to control or to violate the sovereign boundaries of those people whom we carry responsibility for before God but instead take their guilt upon yourself before God and be an example to them of how a person needs to obey God this includes of course parents father and mother these are leaders of cell groups and the deacons and the apostles also how we need to treat the people that we carry responsibility for take their guilt upon ourselves and second to be an example to them this is the form we need to have and if we don't have this ability then 
and so if we don't if we are if we don't do or don't have these two being uh, taking the guilt of the household upon ourselves and be an example to them then the opposite of that is how people brutally uh, punish their children in ways that are are not supposed to happen And so we're looking at how we want God to be able to treat me. We don't want, I don't want personally for the Lord to be able to be, have to punish me in a, in a harsh manner. And so you may say, well, I want him to fulfill the commandments of God. Well, you need to be first fulfilling God's commandment uh, to be able to then expect or try to uh, have uh others uh, fulfill it you need to be an example for the for the person and take their guilt upon yourself and not have control no dictatorship no totalitarian totalitarian way of government not a uh, controlling way of governing or rule or controlling other people first peter five two through four shepherds the flock of god which is among you serving as overseers not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonesty or dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. The first characteristic giving us the right to the power to clothe our spirit into the rock of the Most High so that we can rule over ourselves, this is to be an able person, a person who is strong and bold. The second characteristic giving us the right to the power to clothe our spirit into the rock of the Most High so that we can rule over ourselves is to have the fear of the Lord. We already studied this one as well. And the third characteristic, giving us the right to the power to clothe our spirit into the rock of the Most High so that we can rule over ourselves is to be a person of truth or a fair person. This is what we have been focused on and will continue on today in more detail. To be a person of truth or a fair person is to stand guard of the codex of righteousness according to which you need to think, speak, and behave. And so the Lord looks at us as a kingdom. We have within our within our country, uh, the United States, there is a codex as well. Uh, it exists in all, uh, all courthouses. It exists in all uh, government places or buildings all advocates have it and there's a codex of conduct uh, uh, by which you need to live and this codex exists in the church as well but here we will be studying the uniqueness of the codex of righteousness uh, according to which a Christian needs to live So to, be a, so to be a person of truth or a fair person is to stand guard of the codex of righteousness according to which we need to think, speak, and behave. It is a Christian codex of righteousness. Here's one of the many places of scripture which contains some, there are many places, but here's one unique one which contains some of the components of the codex of righteousness containing 10 unique elements. 1 Thessalonians 5:15 through 24. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourself and for all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. 
do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, test all things, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, he who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. In the given place of scripture, we see presented the role of God and the role of man, giving us the right to the power to clothe our spirit into the quality of the rock of the Most High so that we can rule over ourselves. If we accomplish or complete our part of the job, if we don't accomplish or complete our part of the job, then God will not receive the legitimate grounds that He needs to accomplish the promise to us by Him part of the job so that He can sanctify us fully so that our spirit, soul, and body could be kept without blemish at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so if we complete our part of the job, God will receive the ability to complete His part of the job and so we can be sanctified fully in our spirit, soul, and body. Our role in sanctification called to preserve our dedication where we would be able to continuously bring God the offering of praise presented in the given place of scripture in ten components of the order of the law of righteousness standing guard of the holy, holiness of truth. This we also we saw in the first book of Thessalonians. And so here is the codex of righteousness that we need to have upon our heart. We need to first see that we not render evil for evil to anyone. Always pursue what is good both for yourself and for all. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things that are beneficial to God. Hold fast what is good and abstain from every form of evil. Each of the ten presented components exist in one the other, come one from the other, reinforce one the other, complete one the other, and identify the truthfulness of one the other. Therefore, the, truth, the truthfulness of each of the components is examined by the existence or presence of the other components in them, which in their essence or their unification demonstrate an incredible balance of the one who is perfect in knowledge. We looked at three of the components and will study the fourth today and the fifth. Fourth condition to be a person of truth in your dedication to God by the way of sanctification is to pray without ceasing. A very important component of this codex is to pray without ceasing. To pray without ceasing or to pray continuously is to possess the th the thumb within your spirit in the form of the, of the truth of the elementary teaching of Christ and the urim as the individual Holy Spirit opening the truth within your heart. Continuation cannot be without the word of God that is presented not just in a brochure of faith of how to rebuke demons or how to heal people or how to preach about prosperity we need to have the elementary teaching. This is the Thummim. All the brochures that are being offered by so-called generals of God. And so there are thousands of individual uh, brochures about healing, about prosperity. And if you gather them together, then you will realize that they actually will be contradicting one the other. 
it is not the elementary teaching of Christ, uh, but the Thummim is the elementary teaching of Christ. And here the Holy Spirit, the individual Holy Spirit, can open the truth within your heart. The sacred garment of the priest and the breastplate of judgment with its 12 golden settings into which were placed 12 precious stones containing the 12 names of the sons of Jacob were all made for the sake of the Urim and the Thummim. And so we won't talk about this a lot because Pastor has talked about this quite a bit and we are studying the, we continue to study what the breastplate of judgment is and so, but the element of continual prayer, a prayer that does not uh, stop, this is as the breastplate of judgment of the high priest. And this means we need to have the urm and the thumb. And what, for what was all this made? So we can put the elementary te- teaching of Christ there and the Holy Spirit so that they can do their job, their work within our heart. This was shortly the fourth codex. Let us now look at the fifth codex and uh, study it a little bit more in depth. Fifth condition to be a person of truth in your dedication to God by the way of sanctification is for everything give thanks to God and Father who has called us to partake in the inheritance of the saints who are in the light. The scriptures say give thanks for everything to our God and Father. Before we continue to study the quality and nature of a thankful heart, I will I would like to remind us of a few statements made about thanksgiving by some famous philosophers, politicians, and men of study in the form of aphorisms. How do they see thanksgiving? How do they understand it? These individuals, these people. And they're not so far from the truth. Thanksgiving is the most is the most excellent or exquisite form of courtesy. Thanksgiving is appreciation and a sign of noble, of a noble or kind soul. Thanksgiving is that little that cannot be purchased with money. Those that are unthankful are often the ones relying on the gratitude of others. Thanksgiving for an uplifted soul is not so much an obligation, but satisfaction. It is a debt which she gladly and continuously pays, never thinking to get even with. How interestingly and beautifully written that for a thankful uh, soul is that debt that she gladly and continuously pays uh, and is thankful constantly and does not want to be rid of it. The scriptures say we don't owe anyone anything except for mutual love. And a mutual love it includes also a heart that is thankful when we thank each other and with a thankful heart serve one the other. A debt that needs to continuously uh, be paid and you need to not try to not have it or be rid of it somehow. And so we will forever have this, and we will forever serve one another. And so we need to immediately make a decision uh, 
and you say, well, I don't have want to have this kind of debt, but it's a it's a debt that you need to gladly joyously pay, and we will continue to do so forever because we will always serve one another. Because otherwise, there's another place that is for an unthankful heart. Remember the one that had beat his his servant who owed he, he owed him ten a hundred denarii. And he, if you remember what he said, t uh, put him into prison until he pays me all that he has. But this is not an American prison where you would say they feed you well. There they work and labor. Like as the prisons in the Soviet Union were. No one was resting and relaxing there. The debt needed to be repaid. And they repay it for, for a term. But in this case, it will be an eternal uh, repayment. Um, and this is re when you reject a, uh, to have or refuse to have a thankful heart. Thanksgiving and prayer can come exclusively and only from a good and thankful heart. That is the kind of heart a warrior in prayer has is the kind of prayer he will have. Let us look at eight signs of the nature of Thanksgiving in prayer. And so the first sign of the nature of Thanksgiving in prayer is identified by the nature of praise in worshiping God. And so, thanksgiving can't be without worship. Thanksgiving demonstrates itself in worship. The term praise demonstrating itself in the format of thanksgiving is a kind of legitimate instrument confirming the format of legitimate relations that a man has with God. Psalm 147.1 Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and praise is beautiful. If our thanksgiving and praise to God happens without an organic connection or link to our place within the body of Christ, then this serves as evidence of our wickedness and our praise in the format of our thanksgiving will now in no way be able to be called a fitting form of praise or praise that is worthy of God. As it is written in scripture, praise that is fitting or appropriate. And so again, we can't thank God without praise and praise is not possible without our organic membership to the body of Christ. And so praise that is fitting or appropriate includes the following conditions. Present evidence of your right to praise God. List the names and titles of God. List the perfect works of God. Thank God for the work or deeds that He has already done. Boast about God. Honor God with your tithes and offerings. This is also praise. Stay and not abandon your place within the church. Be faithful to your calling. This is also praise. Study and fulfill the will of God. Trust God and rely upon God. All of this is praise, praising God. And so our thanksgiving cannot be without praise, and praise needs to be uh, fitting. It's not just to list the names and titles of God, what He has done for us. God also ex examines others uh, areas as well as we can see here have we not abandoned our place How are we remaining in that place do we honor God with tithes and offerings all of these uh, this is legitimate praise is made up of this second sign of the nature of thanksgiving in prayer is a certain indication of the kingdom of heaven in a man Psalm 50 23 whoever offers praise glorifies me and to him who orders his conduct aright I will show the salvation of God. 
and so you can offer a, a sacrifice of praise when you watch after your way or you order your conduct aright. Ordering your conduct aright is your path, which we are called to be vigilant of in our prayer fellowship with God. It is defined according to Scripture as the boundaries of our responsibility for someone or for something, and firstly, us ourselves. To order your conduct aright is the ability to judge before all yourself in accordance with the commandments, ordinances, and statutes implemented by God in Scripture. And such vigilance of your path is a preamble or preparation for offering a sacrifice of praise demonstrated in our thanksgiving. This specifically makes our thanksgiving demonstrated in praise to God as legitimate or a legitimate grace. As we know that it's written uh, in the Bible that watch after your way uh, when you go into the house of God and be prepared rather to listen than bring the sacrifice of fools. And so refusal to be a vigilant or to be vigilant of your path or your way is refusal to bear the place upon you by God responsibility or a loss of your virtue and your place within the body of Christ, which brings about the blotting out of your name from the book of life or the loss of your salvation. So if the first speaks about the first sign of the nature is thanksgiving, thanksgiving that is legitimate, that is fitting, a fitting form of praise and so you can't have a fitting form of praise if you don't watch after your way if you don't order your conduct aright when you go into the house of God and this is to prepare your heart to listen to the word of God and not for bring, offering a sacrifice of fools third sign of the nature of thanksgiving and prayer is worshiping in spirit and in truth worship that does not include thanksgiving for the given to us redemption is not able to be called worship in spirit and in truth. Worshiping in spirit and in truth absolutely needs to have thanksgiving. What do we thank God for? He is our Redeemer. The first, what we do. What did the 24 elders do and the four living creatures? They first laid their crown before God and they worship before Him and they say, You are worthy to receive glory, honor, because you were slain for us and you redeemed us from all nations, tribes, languages, people. You are our Redeemer. You redeemed us and they thank, they thank Him. This is a legitimate, fitting form of praise that is demonstrated in thanksgiving. You thank Him. And we were presented by our pastor two forms of unique prayer. What One person in his with his mouth was thanking God but was dishonoring Him in his heart and another was uh, doing the opposite. Luke 18, 9 through 14. Let's look at these two different forms of prayer. Also, he spoke to this, spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. This is how he prayed. God hears not what he is saying out loud. He hears what his heart is saying. And the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank you. He began to thank God that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I, fa I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess, and the tax collector, 
standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Luke 18, 9-14 Acknowledging and confessing your sins before God with the goal of receiving justification is one of the elements of our thanksgiving to God. Every time we come out to repent, if our heart uh, is drawing us to repent, it's not just repentance, but also demonstrating our thanksgiving. The tax collector didn't do what the Pharisee was doing, saying that I'm not like these people. The tax collector just beat his breast and said, uh, forgive me. And he, and, and thanksgiving that he was giving was for what Jesus had done. Thanksgiving without uh exalting the blood of Christ within yourself, testifying of it. Fourth sign of the nature of thanksgiving in prayer is determined by how a person reacts to God's faith, specifically when it comes to the given law of marriage and also when it's referring to food or a person's reaction to food. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 4. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience uh, seared with a, uh, with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. According to the given place, we conclude that to be unthankful is to depart or step away from the given law of faith and instead of paying attention to the words of the messengers of God who are God's lips for us we begin to pay attention to spirits of deception and demonic teachings by the hypocrisy of false teachers or preachers whose conscience is burnt out who will forbid marriage and will forbid us from eating that what God has made stating that it is unclean and unhealthy for the human body. And you see what these emissaries of Satan do. They forbid two things. You could do whatever you want. They forbid marriage. And of course, we're not talking today of uh, of the same-sex marriage. Uh, it's not referring to that. It's referring uh, to... So every time... At the time of, uh, during a wedding, they, people show, uh, that the one that's marrying them shows that there are two, that the two that are being married have two different, different positions, uh, and that one is higher or lower, and doing so, they forbid marriage. You, uh, there's, this thing doesn't exist, uh, the husband needs to take upon himself the guilt of the household, yes, but that doesn't make him a pastor. This is a rule that he is fulfilling. The wife or the bride also needs to help build the house. Uh, so when we turn uh, roles into positions, we either lift up the husband uh, and belittle the, the wife. Uh, this is forbidding biblical marriage. In the Bible, there's no such thing that the husband is higher, the, the, the wife is lower. It's scripture says if the husband stops 
following the Torah, the wife is supposed to against uh, him. And those uh, Jewish women know this perfectly. They know who the pastor is. And, and he is in the synagogue. And if my husband will go against the Torah, she knows this, that she will then uh, know what to do. And the rabbis will support her in that situation. If he goes against the Lord and the truth, and so they, peop, they will forbid biblical marriage. They will pervert this the way the the nature of it, and they will also forbid us from eating what God has made. And what did the Lord say? He said, "Everything that moves, that has life in it, I give to you for food. Eat it." Uh, we're talking about animals and beasts. Eat it as you would eat grass. But people will forbid and say that it's not healthy for the for the body. Dietologists they say that it's not good if you eat this, it's not good for the heart. And so often uh, these dietologists actually dietologists they uh, die from the cancer of the stomach because they. Uh, and so those that start forbidding these kinds of things, and so don't uh, follow satanic diets that 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 are uh, convincing the people that are better for them. And there are proper diets, of course, but when you say all that God has created, you need to not eat. You can't, but. Each, of course, in measure and in the proper amounts, of course. Fifth sign of the nature of thanksgiving in prayer is determined by a person and him prioritizing the fruit of his spirit over the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so a thankful heart needs to correctly prioritize the fruits of the spirit over the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 25, 24 through 30. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it give it to him who has ten, ten talents. For to everyone who has more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. According to the given parable, to be unthankful is to be evil and unfaithful, and also to be lazy and refusing to invest your money, your time, and your energy into good soil. Galatians 6, 7, 8, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And so if you take these and compare them, the parable uh, that we just read about what, the one who hid his talent in the earth and also this book of Galatians 
uh, who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. What does it mean to bury your talent in the ground? That doesn't mean you don't do anything. One of the ways a, a Christian can bury his talent is to sow into his flesh and not sow into the spirit. Use the gifts of anointing, healing, prosperity as we see fit and not as the scriptures require. And so the gifts is to acknowledge the Holy Spirit as your Lord and Master and not to uh, boast yourself or to show yourself. The anointing is to fulfill your calling and that is to erect the stronghold of life and to destroy the stronghold of death. Healing give us the right to present our bodies a living sacrifice for our good service to Him. A person, for example, was healed and goes back to doing his sin, his sins or the way he used to live. No, healing is given so that I can serve and present my body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable for our good service. Prosperity is when we direct our finances uh, to build the house of God and not just as we see fit. And so a thankful heart is a heart that properly uses the gifts, anointing, healing, and prosperity. If we incorrectly utilize these, then our heart is not thankful. Sixth sign of the nature of thanksgiving and prayer is determined by a person's ability to have nothing yet possess all things and be content and thankful for the little. Second Corinthians 6, 8 through 10. They consider us evil or uh, and by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. First Timothy six eight, and having food and clothing, with these we will we shall be content. And so you unifying these two places of scripture, we uh, bring about four important characteristics of a thankful Christian. First, according to the given definitions of Scripture, the character of a thanks of thanksgiving to God is being fully content with what God has allowed you to have. To be content and happy with what God has allowed you to have. Thank you for the house, the car, the job that you have. And so you hear people say, well, I don't know how to live in rent. Well, I personally can say also, uh, I'll also say that you could put half a million for a, a small little uh, box. And so there's a lot of things that can be said in this way. And so in the case that, say, you purchase a home, but you, you, you fall ill, the bank can immediately take your house back. And so that's not technically technically always the investment. Investment into a job or a business, uh, that's a profit that continues to run. Uh, and so living in rent is normal. And it is normal if you treat your finances the way you should. Second, the character of thanksgiving to God is determined by us being poor, yet being able to make many rich. There are, every person has... Uh, 
every person, every individual person has things that technically are riches or wealth for himself. And this doesn't necessarily mean always possession. Uh, a person who has maybe a specific uh, inner strength or inner joy that can enrich another person. Third, the character of thanksgiving to God will be de- determined by us having nothing yet possessing all things. That is to rule and not allow finances to rule over us. Fourth, the character of thanksgiving to God will be determined by us like Abraham being able to perceive materialistic wealth as something foreign. And like Abraham will seek the city which has foundations, whose builder and make and maker is God. Hebrews 11, 9, 10. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob and heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And so he lived in tents. He did not purchase houses. And he didn't allow them to purchase houses because for a house you need land. But you will be a traveler and And the reason is because I give you a different house that has a different land, that has a different foundation, whose builder and maker is God himself. And so, don't be too concerned uh, so much about purchasing houses. Instead, relax and go and enjoy some time with the saints. Uh, Don't don't be so concerned of better houses, better cars. All this will be will be burned. We need to remember that. And so we can just say that the larger houses may burn a little longer than the smaller ones. And so a person may say, well, I've put so much, I've invested so much time and energy into my houses. And so let us now uh, digress. Seventh sign of the nature of thanksgiving and prayer is the absence of filthy language, foolish talking, and coarse jesting. Ephesians 5.4 Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather give giving of thanks. Filthy speech, foolish talking, and coarse jesting are unfitting and with thanksgiving, which comes from a thankful heart. What is uh, coarse jesting? This is uh, the offending of another person. And so filthy speech, foolish talking is using, is speaking words that are not in your heart. Empty words. They're in the mind, but not in the heart. Because to to be able to put them in your heart, you need to cleanse your heart. Uh, but if you don't acknowledge the authority of the person over you, you are not your heart is not cleansed. You need to clean your heart so that you can put the precious word. And what does it mean to have filthy speech? And this is of course uh, uh, profanity, dirty words, cussing. And so you may say, well, I'm, I'm used to saying this. This is things that we've always said, and this is, uh, I'm, I have this habit and just how we talk. But we need to clean our language, our speech from all those kinds of things. This is uh, not fitting before God, and 
we need to be clean of it. Eighth sign of the nature of thanksgiving and prayer is a nature of sacrifice called to obtain the favor of God. Leviticus 22, 29, 30. And when you offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving to the Lord, offer it of your own free will. On the same day it shall be eaten, you shall leave none of it until morning. I am the Lord. A sacrifice of thanksgiving is a peace offering, which indicates the character that only a person who has a covenant of peace with God can have to bring the sacrifice of thanksgiving. And so the offering of thanksgiving is a peace offering and only one who is, is a child of God, who has a covenant with God, is able to have or make this peace offering. And so you may hear people saying things like something will happen to them or they got, or they, um, someone almost hit them with a car and missed or, and you say, oh, thank you, Jesus. But a person doesn't believe or even serve Jesus. This is not a peace offering. And so a peace offering is when you have a relationship with God, a legitimate one, where your faith has been demonstrated in baptism of water and your organic membership to a specific church. Let us read about this peace offering, which is the offering of thanksgiving, Leviticus 7, 11 through 15. This is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which he shall offer to the Lord. If he offers it for a thanksgiving, then he shall offer with the sacrifice of thanksgiving unleavened cakes mixed with oil, unleavened wafers anointed with oil, or cakes of blended flour mixed with oil. Besides the cakes, as his offering, he shall offer leavened bread with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offerings. And from it, he shall offer one cake from each offering as a heap offering to the Lord. It shall belong to the priest who sprinkles the blood of the peace offering. The flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering for thanksgiving shall be eaten in the same day as it is offered, he shall not leave any of it until morning. Leviticus 7, 11 through 15. The sacrifice of thanksgiving is a symbol of the body of Christ broken for us, for our sins. And so this is the body of Christ. We thank him for his broken body and his shed blood. What is interesting is this, uh, when we thank God and bring the sacrifice of thanksgiving to God, we thank God for His body and His blood. We also know <clears throat> in this uh, book that we just read, uh, the words that we just read, uh, some of the things that they had to do with the cakes and the wafers. This, they had to mix it with oil, they had to anoint it with oil, they had to blend flour mixed with oil and cook it on oil, these uh, cakes and these wafers. First was the unleavened bread mixed with oil. It, as they were, uh, they were mixed with oil, then they were anointed with oil, they were saturated with oil, they were cooked with oil. And these are all symbolic of, of, of the baptism. And so we first need to be this unleavened bread mixed with oil. This is linked to baptism of fire. This is the perfect will. Unleavened bread mixed with oil is the unification within our conscience, which is cleansed from dead works of the truth in the format of the Thummim and the Urim in the form of the Holy Spirit, revealing the truth within our heart. And so bread mixed with oil is the word of God. 
and the Holy Spirit presented together. Exodus 31, 6. I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans that they may make all that I have commanded you. In the heart of of the gifted artisans, this is a heart that has the commandments of God, the teaching of Christ that was cleansed from dead works, and the teaching of Christ was put there. <laughs> and, this, and the Lord says, this is a wise heart, and into this wise heart I will give wisdom. In the given situation, our thanksgiving to God presented in the cleansing of our conscience from dead works and the imprinting of the elementary teaching of Christ upon its tablets. At the same time, God's thanksgiving is presented in the anointing wisdom of the Holy Spirit. And so here we see two roles, God's role and man's role. I allow God to cleanse me from dead works because of the elementary teaching and the Holy Spirit puts wisdom in my heart and allows and we allow him to reveal to us the meaning of the word and so if we try with our intellect to understand the word of God then I am fulfilling God's role God says my role is to receive the word of God put it upon the golden table of showbreads and God's role is to reveal the meaning of that word and when will he reveal it uh, he will reveal it in the place where we put these uh, showbreads and the place is the church and so going home and saying well I didn't understand this I need to dig I need to figure it out for myself no the Lord will reveal it when he when he sees a need or fit to relevant to this I want to remind us that dead works are outward good works which are initi- initiated by our flesh. Outward good works initiated by our flesh. And we need to be free of them. <clears throat> These are good or kind works, but the initiator of them is our flesh. We need to cleanse our heart of such things that came from the flesh. So we can we clean it so that we could put the word of God mixed with oil. And so this is the first is that we need to be an unleavened bread mixed with oil. The next is the unleavened cakes anointed with oil. In the first it was unleavened uh, cakes or bread uh, mixed with oil, now it's anointed. And this is our boldness founded upon the faith of our heart in the form of the Thummim anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when we have the Urim and the Thummim, now we have this anointing, this boldness, <clears throat> but we can't be anointed with oil, as in the law it says, until we mix these two formats of wisdom, the Word of God and Holy Spirit. When we mix this uh, bread with oil, now we can be this uh, cake anointed with oil. Now we have this boldness. Acts 10.38 How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. In the given aspect, our thanksgiving to God is presented in the boldness of our faith. At the same time, God's thanksgiving to the boldness of our faith is presented in the power of his good works and healing from the power of the devil. And so we demonstrate our boldness before God and God from his side demonstrates to us his thanksgiving and healing deliverance from the works of of the devil
And so when when a, we see a person trying to uh, trying to rebuke demons from other people, uh, to be able to oppress other people to do these kinds of things, these are demonic works. We need to demonstrate our boldness, and the Holy Spirit will then reveal the anointing power in healing as He desires to, and when we He desires to. But when we begin to do foolish things, then we are trying to fulfill the role of the Holy Spirit and are not demonstrating boldness, but rather audacity before God. Let us remember that boldness and faith is the legitimate right or anointing of the power of the Holy Spirit founded upon the power of the blood of the cross of Christ and the power of the cross of Christ. Here's where a boldness is, in the power of the blood and the power of the cross of Christ. Acts 4.31 And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. They weren't jumping up and down, they were just praying with boldness. And because of their prayer, uh, the place where they were assembled was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke with the Word of God with boldness. And so these were the cakes anointed with oil. When we demonstrate boldness, then this will allow God to then perform miracles, signs and healing as He sees right. And He will never uh, bring forth copies uh, as soon as they're one, two, three uh, if a person is doing the same exact things for tens of years already, then you need to run from these people and not look that way. The Holy Spirit is creative and He's always uh, demonstrating this work in different ways. The Lord heals people differently. He may heal one individual one way and heal another in a very different way. But you may say, well, I, don't, I want to be healed just as they are. God is creative and He does as He sees right and in the way that he wants to heal a person may be healed in a couple of months a person another in a couple of days another a couple of years another in one year and so if someone comes out and tries to require healing in people uh, that means we are placing a uh, God limits and and in doing so we are creating we are committing a, a great sin we need to thank God for the power of the blood of the cross of Christ and the Lord says I hear this and in the time that's right I will perform the work this is the cake anointed with oil and now this blended flour that is saturated with oil in the reference where it says blended flour mixed with oil in the original as saturated with oil is a result of our abiding in the truth of the Thummim identified as the teaching of Jesus Christ who has come in the flesh and upon the revelation of the Urim who is the Holy Spirit revealing the mystery of the Thummim within our heart. First it was mixed with oil, second it was anointed with oil, and the third is saturated in this oil. And so, and so if you know, sometimes people will meet a rock star or somebody famous and they shake hands with that person. They don't wash their hand for over a week because they're trying to... Uh, and, so, in, and so in this case, uh, we could see, instead of washing it away, in this case, we need to saturate ourselves with this oil. Uh, the Holy Spirit can do His work throughout, in, in and throughout. 
Joshua 15, 10, 11. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. One of the meanings of the verb keep is meditate. It is not possible to keep or to fulfill the commandments, not meditating about them and not studying their essence. To meditate about the commandments being inspired by the Holy Spirit is to saturate your wheat flour with oil at the time of meditation about the commandments. To keep the commandments is to meditate and to meditate is to saturate our wheat flour with oil. The wheat flour represents the thummim within our heart and the urim in the format of oil representing the Holy Spirit who reveals the legitimate ability to saturate and fill the existing in us word with the with meaning and with definition. And so every time we go to our cell groups, we begin to have fellowship or communication or after church when we have fellowship or communicate with one another, we in this way are sat- being saturated with this oil. Psalm 119.59 I thought about my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. He turned his feet to his testimonies. That means I fulfilled. I kept your commandments and you can't keep his commandments without first meditating about them. I thought of my ways. He was first meditating and this allowed him to turn his feet to God's testimonies. I meditated and because of meditation I was able to keep your commandments and to keep his testimonies is to we need to meditate and to after meditation we then saturate ourselves with the oil of the Holy Spirit and of course our cell groups and and our fellowship with one another allows us to saturate ourselves with this oil there also was leavened bread present and leavened bread is a demonstration of our faith in the format of the kingdom of heaven abiding within our heart in the power of the Holy Spirit which has captured our spirit and our soul and our body and so leavened bread is thanksgiving that captures all of our essence and it begins with our spirit with our heart Matthew thirteen thirty three, another parable he spoke to them the kingdom of heaven is like leaven which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. In the given aspect, our thanksgiving to God is presented in accepting the kingdom of heaven in the format of leaven into our spirit, into our soul, and into our body. At the same time, God's thanksgiving in receiving the kingdom of heaven in the form of leaven into our spirit, into our soul, and into our body is presented in the rule of the kingdom of heaven within our conscience, within our mind, and within the mouth of our body. In this thanksgiving, pastor shows us two things. If we receive the kingdom of heaven for our soul, our spirit, and our body, how can we examine this? God will do something from his side. It will demonstrate and the rule of the kingdom of, hov- of heaven will be within our conscience that is cleansed from dead works and has the commandments of God within our mind that is our renewed, this is our renewed mind, uh, our conscience and our renewed mind and then our mouth which is the throne of David, the throne of Christ within our body. And so a person who has received the promise for the soul, spirit, and, and body, then he has the kingdom of heaven in his conscience, in his mind, and in his 
meek mouth or gentle mouth. And understandably, before you mix the unleavened cakes with oil and anoint the unleavened wafers with oil, they need to first be cooked on oil. And for this, you need fire. And so now we approach the baptism of fire to be cooked on oil because you can't cook on fire without oil is first be ready for use as food for God which means be prepared for every good work and second to be cooked on oil is to be life for the world which means be a light to the world and so these were the wonderful words we've received today to prepare ourselves and to be cooked upon this fire as we read, we need to be mixed with oil, anointed with oil, saturated with this oil, have this leavened of the kingdom of heaven that comes from our spirit and covers our spirit, soul, and body, and this will allow us to then be cooked on a fire. Right now we will pray, and we, I call all the holy people upon this place who want to break the shackles of sin, dependence of sin, the shackles of fear, depression, or other things. Or someone just wants to come and give thanksgiving and praise to God because thanksgiving is just repentance. Sometimes people say, can I repent from my place? You can. You can repent from your place. Because the tax collector, if you know, he was somewhere in the corner in the back being his breast and repenting. But I like how our pastor says, as the Holy Spirit has, uh, you can ask Holy Spirit, where would you like me to pray right now? And he will often will tell you something you may not be preferring. We wait for you here at the altar. Let us pray. I will be praying our prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that the Lord is on your side. He's not against you. He has loved you with an eternal love. He has given us the work of his redemption. He has stood between us and our enemies to be able to protect us and to lift us up to his level. Close your eyes. This is your secret room. Lift your hands to God. This is a sign that your hands are without wrath or doubt. Pray together with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you and upon this holy place in your church of your holy nation, I open up my heart so that you can see my pain, my suffering, my wounds that are inflicted by sin and lust that I hate, 
and that I refuse. I come to you with my illness, fear, dishonor, a pampered dignity. I ask you, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, heal my wounds, restore me. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your word, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with his great face and show you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May upon you the blessing of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills. May from your body the stronghold of death be destroyed, thrusted out with noise, and the stronghold of life may be erected in your body. May all this be upon you and upon all of your children. In the name of Jesus Christ, and the nation shall say, Amen. Amen. So today we heard a great sermon that our brother Akari has passed on to us and I think we all have the desire to saturate with this truth and to keep that anointing that abides upon us, that abides for us, that exists for us. We can, if we can saturate ourselves with this anointing, with this oil, let us now proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever Amen Thank you for your participation for your prayers 